You are listening to the Safety Heroes podcast, the podcast where we delve into the world of safety professionals and explore the critical role they play in ensuring every human goes home safely. Our guests are the unsung heroes and natural leaders of the safety space. If you're in the safety space or have no clue what happens in safety functions, this podcast is for you. Join us as we celebrate these heroes, hear their stories, and discover the human side of safety and make sure it's constantly evolving for the safety of our people. My name is Musa. I'm the founder and CEO of Pixera and your host for these episodes. Because when it comes to safety, every hero deserves a voice. So welcome to the Safety Heroes Podcast. Hey, everyone. Today, our guest, Kenza Akespi, is someone who has been making a substantial impact in the field of health, safety, and environment for the last two decades. Kenza's journey spans across multiple industries like mining with Rio Tinto, F&B with PepsiCo, and now the dairy industry with the world's largest dairy producer, Lactalis, which gives her an immersive breadth of experience with a track record in risk assessment, incident investigation, and problem solving, and her expertise and talent extending beyond professional accomplishments as a mentor and a charismatic leader. I'm honored to welcome such a seasoned professional to the podcast. Kenza, it's great having you here. Thanks for the opportunity. So Kenza, the first thing we always like to dive into is how did you land in this world of HSE? What was the inflection point? Talk us through your journey. It all started with a safety performance system platform coordinator, in fact. So my initial background was computer science, and that's how I got into the field. But ever since, I had the opportunity to experience various industries across the five continents and got to work with teams that basically shared similar challenges. That could be fixed with technical solutions, but in order to have the sustainable performance, developing and strengthening the safety culture was really what's going to make it, and more importantly, demonstrating the tie-in with the operational performance. So that's how it became a passion. And over the 20 years in the field, I've had exposure to significant incidents that you don't want to see be occurring. So that's what drives today the way I'm working and being in this field and influencing leaders and employees with regards to their power of making the right decisions. So that's how I got in the field. And today I'm the director for EHS at Towers Canada. I want to dig deeper into how it became a passion, you know, coming from a computer science background. Can you elaborate on that a bit more? Honestly, it became a passion from working with people. Having computer science background, you're working with computers, you're developing code. That's what I learned at school. But then when I started working with people, because when you talk about safety, when you work on safety, it's all about preventing employees from getting injured. And that made a big difference. And that's how I decided to make the shift from a computer industry, a computer career to a safety career. So for me, that was the main driver. And then, you know, you were close to major incidents or fatalities is what I felt you were saying as well. How is that like? Like, did that really change the way you perceive the importance of this function? Absolutely. When you're dealing with fatalities, with significant incidents, and I was the lead investigator in a past experience, you're right at the front line investigating these incidents, leading teams through these investigations. The biggest impact is when you have to interview the employee that was significantly injured or even having to talk to colleagues of a fatally injured employee, talking to the families as well. No matter how experienced you are, no matter how many times you would have done these investigations, it still gets you. It still brings a lot of emotions that you have to manage for yourself and for others as well that are around you. So that has a big impact because you're like, 
I don't want this to happen again. I don't want it to reoccur. And I would say that the relief from that is that incident is an opportunity to learn, is an opportunity to learn from what happened and then to share. So understand what happened, learn from it and share with others so that it doesn't happen again. But at the same time, we see that we don't need for someone to pay the price so that we can learn. So the past decade has been all around the prevention, has been all about convincing leaders and teams that we can learn and we can leverage potential to learn from them, share and share that it doesn't happen again and even improve the way we're working versus just preventing reoccurrence. And you were saying something that's so fascinating. It's like, unfortunately, bad things happen for us to learn. It's very hard for us to understand the importance of things before a dramatic incident happens. Suffering and, and negative experiences is what drives us to uh, really understand the importance of change. What's your philosophy around that? And how do you feel the majority of people can understand, especially leaders, the importance of the work you do, students having to oh. take place? More and more active work on safety is getting more understood. And I see that leaders are more and more seeing the benefit from doing proactive work versus waiting for an incident to happen and then learn from it. And the leadership is extremely important. That's why I'm talking about leaders seeing the benefit from the proactiveness. So working on safety leadership, what I've found over the years is that these leaders, for them to understand the benefits and the value of this proactive work, they need to understand the why. They don't know what they don't know. So if we don't explain the why, what's the benefit? What's the value? What's the impact of the decisions that they make? So if we don't do that, they're not convinced or not taking the right decisions or not investing in the right approaches and the methods, and it's never going to happen. So it's really important to explain the why. So the responsibility of the safety leader is to enable the leadership of the organization understanding the why falls on the safety function and then driving the organization and showing that they are taking it seriously. The drive that culture comes from the leadership team. So they take that accountability, not the safety function. Correct. The accountability is on leaders, but then the explanations, explaining the why and using different resources to explain the why. The safety leader may not have all the capabilities to explain it. And I'm referring here to understanding the psychology behind it. In order to explain a why, you may need to tap into psychological safety. And there we can use resources to help us explain the concepts behind it that will help leaders. And ultimately, it's kind of like how much value it'll actually bring the business, where, of course, in addition to improving the environment and reducing risks. Out of curiosity, I want to jump into a bit because where you work is so interesting. Working in an organization like Lactalis, I'm assuming it's a massive global organization and you're covering EHS. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the mix between environment, health and safety with what you do and the level of complexity that you have in your role operating at the scale that you're operating. So within like Dallas of Integrated Environment, Health, Safety, Energy and Loss Prevention, safety was taking the front role initially, but then we identified that basically if we were to do environment separately, energy and loss prevention separately, we will miss the opportunity of leveraging the structures and the governance that we already had on safety and also leveraging, again, when I talked about influencing leaders on the impact understanding the why. So we had safety, we add the impact of the environment, and all to tie in into overall performance. So it's not about doing safety, doing environment, all as a parallel to operations. 
It's about integrating because at the end of the day, if we work, when we work on safety on the environment, the impact is on overall performance and on the bottom line at the end of the day. So doing that tie-in with leaders is extremely important because now they see the benefit. They see the value to their business. And how do you do that? How do you get like to the point where you're tying these topics to business performance? What steps do you have to take as a leader? So the tie-in is integrating EHS in every step of operation, okay, from beginning to end. So I'll take an example of building a new plant. So building a new plant, building a new line, for example, if we only integrate safety at the end, okay, in parallel, we'll have some surprises at the end. It will have an impact on the design. Mm. It will have an impact on the environment. It will have an impact on employees. It will have an impact on delays, on budget, okay? And these impacts are inevitable. So convincing leaders that by integrating right in the beginning, we'll make sure that employees are not going to be exposed, are going to have the right ergonomics. By doing that, we're basically ensuring that there is no fatigue, there are no injuries. We're integrating into the design of the equipment. So when maintenance teams are going to come to intervene on the lines, we've already thought about everything that could happen and how they're going to be accessing, etc. So all this is avoiding delays, is avoiding um, expenses and issues in the future. So that's the role that is incumbent on EHS, is to be able to demonstrate these aspects in advance. We think a lot about safety as absence of injuries, but That's not what it is. Safety is not the absence of an injury. Safety is all the proactive work that gets done throughout the span of an operation. That's such a fascinating way to put it. I love that explanation. It's like by being proactive, you're not only doing things so well from the beginning, you're really protecting the company long term against potential issues that can happen. And you've mentioned proactivity quite a bit since you started. Do you feel like this proactive way of thinking is something that existed when you were earlier in your career? Or do you feel like it's something that just now the market reached a level of maturity where it's understanding the importance of maintaining safety in everything you do early on in design and in everything you operate with as a business? It's been an evolution. It has not always been there. Safety in the beginning was all about fixing non-compliances, you know, having injuries and then addressing them, investigating them and then acting and correcting. And then the more and more we see that we don't need to wait for that. We do audits and then we correct and fix. Okay, so that's been in the beginning. But now the more and more we look at things, we're talking more about what we could avoid before we have to fix. So let's do it in advance. And organizations are more and more seeing the benefits from that. It's not as easy because organizations expect a certain return on investment, right? And when it comes to health and safety, it's not as black or white and it's not as tangible as other aspects. So it does take to look at safety differently. And this is where when organizations start to talk about safety as a value versus a priority, because we still see safety is our priority number one. Okay. But when you shift from that safety as a priority to safety as a value, this is when you know that the organization has integrated safety as part of their core value and will no longer expect necessarily a return on investment in a certain time frame or even expect a return on investment as a tangible dollar figure, but more look at it on the long term. And the return on investment is going to happen because it will have an impact on the bottom line, but it will take longer. 
So that's how I see the evolution from before to today. So it's like positioned as a long-term strategy to just make sure you care for your team and you're building the right culture, et cetera, et cetera. And even nowadays, I think it's globally that you know, organizations have difficulties with hiring new employees. And it is an aspect that more and more candidates are asking about. They're looking into the values of the organization. And, and it is an aspect that is being looked at and is a criteria for candidates. There's a question I wanted to ask here, but before I go in, like if you were to take a step back and think of what excites you most in EHS, what are the areas you're most excited about? The leadership aspect, the safety leadership is really what I'm most passionate about for all the reasons that I explained before. Because I think that putting technical solutions, that's a must, okay? The technical aspect of safety, addressing the risks, et cetera, that's a given. But working with leaders, understanding leadership, explaining leadership is complex. And we're dealing with human beings and they're all different. And for me, that's really a passionate aspect of safety. And so within the safety leadership spectrum, what do you feel is most missing that you wish people knew more of? What's lacking today when it comes to safety leadership? I think what's most lacking is the power of choice, understanding the power of decision-making within leadership and the impact that it has on multiple aspects within the organization and eventually on safety. If leaders have a good understanding of the impact of their decision, it will make a major difference in safety. As an example, if I'm a leader and I'm a bit stressed about our targets this year, which is something I always do, where where we work now, but thankfully we're not operating in a place where people can get hurt. And I go to the team and I announce in a weekly meeting that we need to focus so much on working as hard as we can and we have to put double the time. We just have to hit our targets because that's what will dictate our success as a business. Where like I'm just venting my anxiety to the team. That decision I made can have the catastrophic impact on a lot of things that I might have not thought about. And being able to take a step back and really think about the impact of my decisions is something that is lacking. Is that a good way to maybe put what you said? Is that a good example? Or Absolutely. I think that's a perfect example. And I can give you another one. The number of times that I would speak with employees, with frontline leaders, about safety versus production. And you'll see a discrepancy between what leaders would say and what the frontline is perceiving. So leaders would be like, we do not put priority on production over safety and we never ask employees to take shortcuts or to put more emphasis on production at the expense of safety. When we talk to employees, they will do everything to ensure that production is happening to the best performance and sometimes to the expense of safety. And the question is, how come? You know, how come there is this discrepancy between the two messages, like the message that is sent versus how it's perceived? Mm. Okay, So it's not so much in what is being said by leaders, but sometimes is about what is being done and sometimes unconsciously that gives that perception to employees. So that's why, you know, when I talk about leaders to understand the impact of their decisions, whether it's decisions that they make by saying things or by doing things, If they understand the impact on employees, it will help them make better decisions, taking into consideration the impact that it will have. And do you have advice, like me in my position, for example, what can I do better to improve in this? Because it makes complete sense. I love how you articulated it. But in reality, emotions take over and it's very hard for everyone to foresee the impact of their actions. Are there practical steps that will help? Practical steps 
in past experiences, there are different tools that help with the decision-making process. When we integrate assessment or review, simple, very simple question or simple check before making certain decisions to go through, okay? And that helps the leader take a step back or pause, okay? To ask the question, if we do this, what's going to be the impact on the various aspects? If we just ask that simple question, what is the impact? But it's a habit that gets developed. It's not second nature today. It's easy for EHS leaders to have that because they're into that day in and day out. But for leaders, it's a habit to develop so that it becomes second nature to pause and ask the question. For me, that's the best way to make sure that we take into consideration impact because they can be different situations, different types of decisions, and we cannot have tools for every single one of them or a specific checklist for every one of them. But just to develop that habit of pausing and asking, could there be an impact? What would that be? How can we mitigate it before going ahead? Yeah, it's so fascinating. If I reflect on myself, the only way I'm able to notice that I need to learn this new skill is because I saw the negative impact it had a few times. So I think that realization of the why, as you were talking before, and then going from understanding the why to just slowly practicing with a basic set of steps, just the practice of taking a step back and understanding the impact of a decision is, I think, the biggest leap a leader can take. And then from there, it's just a process of iterating and being conscious about it to build that muscle and not repeating it. Something that I want to also hear a bit from you is you've worked in different industries like mining and then PepsiCo and then now in the dairy industry. If there's a difference when you think about the leadership aspect and psychological safety aspect, but ultimately as well in terms of the hazards you need to worry about, what are SIFs that are prominent? Just kind of like comparing the industries and the difference would be, I think, interesting for people to hear about and understand. There are a couple of differences. One, obviously, is the risk profile of a heavy industry is certainly different from the manufacturing or food manufacturing industry. And that is to be taken into consideration for sure. So although the safety challenges may be similar in high level, but when you go into the way it's applied, it has to be adapted to the reality of the industry. The food industry is a fast-paced environment as well versus the heavy industry. And again, that's another reality in the way we apply tools. So a shift in a food industry versus a shift in the heavy industry is not the same. You have a lot more people as well for a square meter. So the difference is to take into consideration the reality of the operation, the employee profiles that you have to adapt the tool, the method from a risk perspective to address the various risks. When it comes to the leadership aspect, it's also different. That's the second aspect that is different. I find that the heavy industry has been involved with safety for much longer than the food industry. And, and it's because of the high risk profile that they have. The heavy industry has experience and if we compare fatalities, for example, within the heavy industry versus manufacturing, you'll see that the track record of heavy industry is much heavier mm. in terms of fatality. So unfortunately, the heavy industry has learned to the expense of people. Of, of people. So there was no choice but to early on develop a certain maturity when it comes to safety to put systems in place, which you don't necessarily see in the manufacturing industry because of that risk profile that is less. It's a lower risk profile, if I can say it, than the heavy industry. So the leadership in the food industry, the manufacturing industry, 
that's where the importance of understanding the why and the benefit becomes even larger because there is not as much history of serious accidents that will explain the reason or explain the why or explain to leaders or show to leaders the importance of doing the prevention and the proactive work. So today, I think the food industry is not as mature, but Mm. is going into that direction because what we're seeing is that the leaders more and more see the benefits. You know, it's, it's no longer an option. Okay. It's just a matter of time to develop that maturity because it doesn't happen overnight. It's no longer a question of whether we want or we don't. The direction is clear. It's just going to take time to develop that maturity. Love that. Kenzo, honestly, this is amazing. There's so many things I want to dig into, but something that I would love to ask you because of what you said at the beginning, you said it's very hard for people to understand the importance of what you guys do until an incident happens or something dramatic happens. And many people who are listening and many people that I know really struggle to see safety as an important proactive function. A lot of them think it's a compliance driven function or just something that has to be done for different reasons. From your experience, what is it like to actually be close to an incident or close to a fatality? Without going to details, if you can go into details, but day zero, something bad happened to someone. What happens? How is it like to the family, to the colleagues, to the management team, to the organization? When a fatality happens or a significant injury happens, it impacts, obviously, the individual that was affected, but a lot more of people. It impacts the family, it impacts the colleagues. Making a call to the family is devastating or interviewing colleagues that have witnessed the incident is difficult. You get to site and you're there to support the team, to support the leader. And you have to manage your own emotions as well. Colleagues are in shock. You have a leader that needs to make a call to the family and is supporting that leader in that process. Sometimes you will do it yourself. So when you have such an event, I would say the first couple of days, it's all about considering the emotions that are going on, supporting the people going through the event. That's the primary focus. Day one, the investigation will start after. The first step is to take care of the people. And it's a shocking moment for the majority of the colleagues to know that this happened in a day's work to a colleague. I'm assuming it takes time for them to come back to being able to work normally. It all depends on the support that is provided. It's important to listen to the people and to provide them the support that they need in these circumstances. Thank you for sharing that. I hope these stories just help people realize that these things do happen. And when they do happen, it's just complete catastrophe to a certain family and to the people that are connected to that person or something that is most of the time avoidable. And yeah, Kenza, just before we wrap up, are there any things that you would like to leave listeners with? Do you have any last statements that you would like to share? I think I've said it many times that safety is all about the proactive work. We don't need to wait for an incident to happen to be able to identify improvements to operations to avoid an injury from happening. And the moment we tie in safety to safety production and we start looking into, and I like the concept of safe production, you know, that's where we make a complete 360 and we really start to see safety integrated into day to day and it's going to completely change the safety performance overall and the overall performance. I love that. Honestly, this has been amazing. Kenza, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience. I hope we got to unravel quite a few things that help people understand the importance of what you guys do more. And yeah, thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Safety Heroes podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to click follow. Until next time.
stay safe.